It is an incredible feeling to get those conversational basics under your belt and start having good conversations with friends, family members, and members of your community about abortion. But how do you take those conversations to the next level? How do you optimize the number of people who are stopping to talk to you? And how do you optimize the amount of time that they're stopping and talking and not just passing by without really getting into the abortion issue? Well, today I talked to Blaze Elaine and Katie Summers from Toronto about conversational tools to elongate and optimize the conversations you're having about abortion. Hi, folks. My name is Cam. I am the host of the Pro-Life Guys podcast. I'm excited to have you back along for the ride. And today we've got a real cool topic coming down about how do you optimize the volume of people getting into conversations with you in the first place? How do you get more people stopping at your pro-life activism to have a conversation in the first place? As well as what do you do during the conversation to help people get even more engaged? How do you do offer more than just good answers and good questions to get them involved, but body language and conversational style and technique to ensure that people end up personally investing into the conversation so they stick around and have a full conversation and Lord willing, come to the pro-life worldview. I am joined by two great friends, Blaze Elaine, Eastern Outreach Coordinator for the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, CCBR, the group that I work for, um, as well as Katie Summers, who works with Toronto Right to Life, a, a phenomenal pro-life group based out of Toronto, obviously, um, that is doing real cool work in the GTA, as well as she's helping out with the initiative up in Montreal that they're launching, the uh, Montreal Against Abortion, both of whom have spent a lot of time not only doing pro-life outreach, but really working on how to optimize the quality of their conversations. And so we're going to dive right into it. No other crazy announcements or anything like that. Um, we've got a few announcements at the end of the episode. Um, but for a change, we're going to dive right into it. Here's my conversation with Blaze and Katie. All right, Blaze and Katie, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the Pro-Life Guys podcast. My pleasure. It's nice to be here again. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it is a joy. Both of you have been featured on the podcast before, Katie. I know that, that you had a sweet conversation with, with Peter way back when, one of our first humans of the pro-life movement. So it's cool to have you and Blaze on to talk a little bit about um, conversational dynamics. How do we optimize the number of people who are engaging in conversation through our body language, through our tone, through lots of different things that can factor in, as well as what little things can we do during a conversation to um, help people stick around for a little bit longer? But before we dive into that, you both of you guys have been working on a really cool initiative with a group of passionate volunteers in the Montreal area. And Blaze, I want to just get a little bit of an idea from you how this has kind of come about. Was this something that um, people approached you? Was it something that you wanted to approach folks in Montreal and, and found people that you thought would, would work? How did this come about Montreal against abortion? So a neat, quick backstory, you know, uh, in Toronto with Toronto Against Abortion, Toronto Right to Life, we had talked about trying to kickstart a Montreal group three, four years back and uh, opportunity didn't pan out then. But there was a, a, an MVP from TAA, Steve, who uh, came to the crash course in 2018 and is now a team leader with TAA. Um, he's been, I say, recruiting all across the Americas. <laughs> and uh, he connected with some people in Montreal and among a million other places and got them interested and inspired, started training them through some webinars. And then as they got serious about starting Montreal Against Abortion, they got in touch with me and they came to Toronto to do activism with us and to attend the crash course. And uh, several of us from Toronto have been going to Montreal to help them get started. The, the first Montreal Against Abortion choice chain about a year ago uh, was the second choice chain that the two leaders, Marichelle and Manuel, had ever done. <laughs> so <laughs> they were starting um, you know, almost, almost from scratch. And uh, it's just a really neat connection between Toronto and Montreal volunteers and um, a really passionate and enthusiastic um, group of just excellent pro-lifers in Montreal just committed to um, to making the victims visible and bringing apologetics to their city, to a city that really hasn't seen AVP before, hasn't seen abortion victim photography before. 
Love it. I, I'm pretty sure that Peter had the opportunity to interview, I think it was Marichella, um, during the Toronto March for Life. For those of you who haven't checked out that episode, scroll back a little bit. I think it was three or four episodes ago. Um, and Katie, you actually just got back from Montreal as well. You joined Blaze up there for some training because you were able to offer the, the Francophone component of our <laughs> training. Tell me a little bit about how that was. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not actually Francophone, but I do speak French. So that was awesome because it was nice to be able to offer the training to the people who wanted it in French. And it's, it's just really cool to be out on the streets in Montreal and be able to go with the lead of the person that I'm trying to have a, a conversation with, whether they want to do it in French or English. It's just, you reach way more people that way. Gotcha. Yeah. Real quick follow-up before we dive into the meat and potatoes. I, and I have to ask this because I remember working for a long time. Both of you are probably familiar with Francisco Gomez, um, an incredible legend mm -hmm. within the CSPR community. Um, and every time we go down to Florida, whenever we spoke to somebody who um, wanted to speak Spanish, we'd throw it over to Fran. And, and because Fran, um, Spanish was his native tongue. And yet he didn't get active in the pro-life movement until he was in Canada. And he basically learned everything in English as it pertained to abortion. And so it was really tricky for him pivoting the abortion language that he was so familiar with in English towards his native tongue. And, and he had never, obviously, there, there was limited reason to get super familiar with, with that in Spanish. So I'm curious, do you find it a little bit tricky to, to translate all of the activism that you've done in English back into French? Or was that a, a real natural step for you? Well, it's definitely, it's definitely something that you have to prepare for mm. <laughs> because there's a lot of, of translations that I make that are, are not correct. But the nice thing about Montreal is that people are pretty welcoming. And if I don't know how to say something in French, I usually just say it in English. And then I say to them, like, do you know how to say this, by the way? <laughs> and often they don't either because, as you said, it's such specific mm. language sometimes to the pro-life movement. But we get our points across and we're understood regardless. Yeah. And one of the, the great things about having uh, Toronto right to life involved in this effort, supporting Montreal against abortion and having Katie in Montreal, this was the, uh, the third time she came along to provide training and do activism is to be able to provide that apologetic support in French too. Right. Because, you know, I've been there, I've trained people in English apologetics, but it's hard to translate that yourself. So Katie's put in a lot of the work, consulted other Francophone speakers this time, um, you know, she translated a, an apologetics training booklet that we have. And um, we came with bilingual pamphlets that CCPR had just put together and getting more resources available for French, both for outreach and for training, because a lot of the volunteers who have been trained in English want to attend another apologetics training in French for exactly that reason, you know, to get up to speed on the terminology too. So it's great that we've been able to, uh, to provide that training the materials in, in both languages to the team in Montreal. Yeah, absolutely. And just removing so many of those barriers, like you had said, Katie, so many people are very um, hospitable and willing to engage in whatever they anticipate your, your primary language to be. And yet for those who might not be as comfortable speaking in, in English or might not be willing to, it's so valuable to have people who can engage in whatever language preference they may have at that point. So I, I think that's super cool. I, I'm excited to see the growth and, and continue engagement. For Montreal, I, I hear rumors that there might be um, interest in Quebec City. And so who knows if that's able to happen. But I'm really, really excited about what the two of you guys and so much of the rest of the team have been able to accomplish already in Montreal. Big shout out to those that are local um, and, and keeping things off the ground. For a long time, a lot of the pro-life movement has kind of looked towards Quebec with a leery eye of but could we win Canada without Quebec? Like, do we really need to go in there? Um, which I'm, I'm sure breaks the hearts of so many faithful pro-lifers in Quebec that desperately just need a little bit extra support and an empowerment. And so kudos to the two of you and the rest of the team that has been making that happen. Let's it's uh, it's awesome that um, Marichelle and Manuel also speak Spanish and a lot of the members of Montreal mm -hmm. Against Abortion speak Spanish as well. So we've got a trilingual team out there. Mm -hmm. So just the reach is unbelievable. Super cool. I, I know that we've actually had folks reach out to us and, and request all sorts of different languages. And I know that we've worked with groups around the world to provide some of that. And, and sometimes we're partnering with our groups at CBR in the States as well to help fulfill some of those language requirements. So it's really cool to, to see this growing and making this more accessible to even more people. Um, even think about some of the neighborhoods we go into. I know, Blaze, you and I on the management team of CCBR have talked even about... Um, putting other uh, minor language components on some of the postcards for when we're going into a, um, 
a heavily uh, immigrant community that that might prefer or have greater comfort or whatever with with a different language and so super cool to see that development um yeah bearing all of that in mind let's dive a little bit into conversation dynamics and both of you have been not only involved for quite a while now having conversations on street corners and whatnot talking to folks about abortion um but also have put a lot of time and thought towards how do we optimize the volume of people that are engaging in the first place and how deep and meaningful those conversations can be. Because I feel like so many people who are tuning into the podcast can relate to the fact that sometimes you might only have a moment or two and, and an awkward pause or a misworded question or whatever it may be, might be the open door that they're looking for to be like, oh, and I'm going to go back to work now or um, get one last word in edgewise and, and um, jaunt across the street because the light turned or something like that. And so Blaze, I want to throw it open to you because I, um, I, I know that you've been doing this on campuses for, for well over a decade. What kind of tools have you found to be helpful, especially when it comes to engaging students or, or folks initially how getting people to stop at your display that you're doing you're holding a sign showing what abortion does to a preborn child or a pregnant need help sign what kind of tools have you found to be helpful in getting people to stop to even start the conversation and not just walk right on by you you know me always starting with the theory i got to start with something theoretical aristotle says that effective communication is ethos pathos and logos and mortimer adler puts that in plain english saying first you need to build a bridge then touch the heart and then deliver the message, right? So ethos, that kind of character at first, building the bridge, some sort of, you know, empathy, a human connection, and then the logos, then the message, right? So um, hearing that it made so much sense to me when I heard it, you know, halfway through my activism career, if you want to put it that way, um, I need to be able to build a bridge with someone that I'm talking to, to get them engaged and willing to stay and willing to listen to me in a conversation. So I'm looking for a chance to make that real human connection. Um, in terms of some concrete, practical, conversational tactics that I use, um, uh, I mean, emphasizing common ground as much as I can, especially at the start of a conversation, and especially um, the more disagreeable the start of a conversation might be, the more that I want to establish some common ground, because I really want to show the person that I am, I really want to be, and to show that I am genuinely listening. And that I'm not just, you know, responding to them with some canned argument, but I want to understand where they are coming from and hear what they have to say. So I need to demonstrate that by taking the time to establish common ground, to, to listen to them. And um, one other uh, concrete um, tip off the top um, is, to, uh, is to ask, um, I mean, th there's, there's a real value in asking questions, questions that are, um, that are open-ended that can challenge someone, um, in a, in a gentle way. But, um, you know, I think of uh, a time doing outreach in New York city a few months back in front of the, uh, Bleecker street Planned Parenthood. And, um, there was uh, a guy who came by and he was quite upset that we were doing pro-life outreach by an abortion clinic. Like he was physically shaking a little bit. And, you know, I was trying to listen to him. I was just trying to establish common ground, um, and, and I don't remember exactly what we were talking about. He was saying something about, about, uh, you know, about bodily autonomy, about viability or something. And I just had a chance to ask him a real quick question, you know, something like, um, well, you know, what about the bodily autonomy of the child? Or, mm. you know, what is it about, I think it was something like, I asked him, like, what is it about viability that you think, you know, um, uh, means that suddenly we have a new human being or something like that. It was, it was a question that I delivered gently, but it was sort of thought provoking and challenging. And I just saw like um, the emotion that was driving him. Suddenly the emotion went down because the gears started turning, mm -hmm. right? So if I can turn the brain on like that, get someone thinking and engaged while showing that I genuinely care with what I have to say, I'm there to listen, not just, you know, throw things at them. Um, I find that is the best way to get someone truly engaged in the conversation. And then we can hash it all out together. Yeah, absolutely. And one, one thing that comes to mind, just before I throw it over to you, Katie, is even, even the vocal control in the question. One thing that I, I work with our interns and all of our new volunteers, even our opening question. So the opening question that, that we often use, I, I think that you guys probably use a similar one. What do you think about abortion? There's two things that I try to accomplish. One, I want to put so much emphasis on the you. I want to make this personal to them of what do you think about abortion? 
And it seems like a subtle change, but it's amazing. The, and the interns eyes go wide every year when they go from whether it's, I mean, there, there's a million different ways that you can say that and to, to blow it out of like, what do you think about abortion or what do you think about abortion? What do you think about abortion? There's lots of different connotations that go with the different ways that you emphasize things. And so I love the questions. I love the way that you make it personal. And I think part of it as well is trying to normalize conversations about abortion, um, which is tricky, obviously, because most people aren't trying to normalize conversations. But I sometimes I'll, I'll even rephrase it of like, where are you at on the abortion issue? Or where are you at on this whole, the whole thing going on south of the border? Where are you at on seeing pictures about abortion or something like that? Just to, I don't know, it changes the, the angle that it's coming from to make it a little bit more accessible. That's what I, I sometimes do when I'm trying to get somebody into a conversation. Katie, what have you found to be helpful in getting people to stop in the first place, I guess? I think it's, it's tough sometimes because we want to have a balance between when people are walking by, we want to be somber about the fact that we're holding an image of a victim of abortion and it's it's a, a horrible reality and for many people it's really shocking to see that for the first time um so we want to balance that with also as you said like i like to to kind of pick somebody who's walking my way and and try to make eye, eye contact with them and then i i use direct like a direct question like i'm really talking to them i contact them hey what do you think about abortion or what do you think about my sign? Or, hey, have you ever seen a picture like this before? And just these kinds of questions that that make the person stop and think for a second. Mm. Um, also, in contrast, sometimes I'm really friendly. And I think that's that that's surprising for people because I think when they see the image and it's so jarring, sometimes it takes a moment. And for me to be smiling at them and saying like, hey, what do you think about abortion? Um, it often you know, it gives them a moment yep. of pause and like, wait a second, this, this person seems friendly. Like maybe that's not what I thought that she was going to be like. And that often works. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of taking down their guard because they're, they're mm. anticipating a drag amount brawl between a pro-lifer or this hardened, angry pro-lifer that, that is somehow depicted on, on media or whatever. And when you can show like, no, I'm a, I'm a normal human being. Like, like, where are you at? Or, or like being friendly eye contact, yeah. so valuable. And eye contact early because I feel like one thing for, for a lot of our, our team members is that sometimes we ask the question a little bit too late. We wait until the person's right beside us for when we start asking, what do you think about abortion? And then they're startled and then they're halfway past you and there's a limited chance that they're going to stop their motion and somehow swing around. And so making that eye contact early, having a smile on your face and being an approachable kind of person as they're crossing a crosswalk or as they're approaching and maybe not quite the tractor beam is on them. And like, there's no way that they can avoid the conversation once you got eye contact, but um, having, having that approachable manner in place, I want to throw it back to you on um, before we dive into, in the conversation, I want to ask a little bit on the value of open-ended questions by and large, rather than closed-ended questions. I was talking to one of our volunteers on Friday last week, I want to say, and uh, initially he was asking the question, can I ask you what you think about abortion? Or can I ask you if you've seen something like this before? And he was getting a little bit frustrated because people kept saying like, no, 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 you can't ask me that. I'm not interested. <laughs> tell, me, tell me a little bit about the value of asking something open-ended. And regardless of whether they stop and talk or whether it's just something to leave them with, where's that at? As opposed to asking a yes, no kind of answer question. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a place for for questions that are more narrow or targeted once you're in a conversation with someone yeah. from time to time. You know, there's there's a purpose for open and, and close and, you know, more, more narrow conversation or more narrow questions. But at the start of a conversation, yeah. um, we always train people to ask those open ended questions because, uh, you know, just as you said, if it's a yes or no question, it's easy for someone to just sort of say no and keep on walking an open ended question, though. Um, not only get someone thinking, but it also shows that we care about what they have to say. It's, you know, it's, mm. it's inviting someone into a dialogue rather than just, um, you know, ask like, like effectively asking them if they're pro-life or pro-choice or something like that. Right. You know, to say like, um, what do you think about abortion? Um, you know, uh, 
sometimes one of the responses that, that, that I may get is like, Oh, you don't want to know. Right. And then to follow that up with, uh, like, actually I, I, I'd love to hear like, um, you know, if you have, and just kind of show that interest. Right. Or if somebody says, uh, in response to that, well, pro-choice I'm like, why is that? Right. Like that's, that's, that's one of my quick follow-ups just like, you know, why, <laughs> right? Like the simplest open-ended question, um, that just gives someone a chance to explain why they believe what they believe and to invite them into a dialogue. Right. So, um, uh, especially at the start of a conversation, when I'm going through a conversation, I might use a narrow question if I'm trying to deliver uh, an argument Socratically, but I'll also use yeah. open-ended questions if I really want to challenge someone to be uh, thinking through something or if I'm maybe not sure where they're coming from. And an open question can help to um, invite them to share more about why they believe what they believe about what's going on so that we can have a genuine conversation rather than just throw arguments back and forth. So yeah. open-ended questions can be really valuable, especially at the start, but also throughout a conversation. Love it. Love it. Katie, do you have any, like, I, I feel like the, the, one of the biggest struggles for all of us as pro-lifers is at times to have that second question, that follow-up of, of you ask your first question and the person's still walking. They haven't decided yet if they're going to stop. Um, and so often, like you said, Blaze, it, it's the, oh, why is that? Or, or whatever. Do you have any real go-to questions or strategies, Katie, that you found can, can kind of jar people out of the rhythm of their daily kind of ignorance of everything happening around them and just their, their point A to point B. What have you found to, to help people mm -hmm. get jarred out of that, <laughs> that rut that they might be in? <laughs> um, the human rights argument right away. So, yeah. Hey, what do you think about abortion? And then they say they're pro-choice or something. I might say, why is that like blaze said or, or right away? Do you believe in human rights? Bingo. It works great. Every time it's, it's such a good conversation starter or, mm -hmm have you always been pro-life or have you always been pro-choice? Like it's just a way to, yeah. to without them knowing you're already in a conversation. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. that works to get them in. Um, what do you think about the, the image that I'm holding? Yeah. 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 Love it. And, and especially the, the human rights argument, I feel like is bang on because for so many times, and, and one thing that I try to do, and I'm, I'm sure that you guys might look away in shame or whatever, but sometimes I intentionally misinterpret what they're going to say of like, oh, all for it. Like, oh, you're all for us. That's awesome. Good to have you on our team and trying to jar them out of like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm all for abortion. Um, and so the human rights argument is fantastic. Blaze, you got something else on there. What else do you do? Yeah, like just on, on, on those notes, you know, one of the, you know, it, sometimes people say like, oh, like, like, that's disgusting. And I'll be like, I agree. That's yeah. disgusting. Right. And, and I mean, that's not uh, like they were trying to say that maybe I'm disgusting or something, <laughs> but that, that way to respond just kind of gets them like, well, no, no. Like, like, I, I think you're disgusting. I'm like, well, well, why, why is that? Like, why would you think that just another open-ended question? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, definitely using the human rights argument early on um, uh, as a good set of questions to get someone engaged as a sort of uh, first or second move. Um, with a particular type of conversation, like sometimes mm. it's that people are just kind of walking and you need to kind of convince them to stop and enter into dialogue. But sometimes people are stopping or slowing, but it's like they have nothing to say or they don't really know what to say. And it's sort of an awkward silence. And one of the follow-up questions that I find really effective there, you know, if I've asked them what they think and they're like, I'm not really sure, have you seen photos like this? No, and they're kind of standing there and they're not really like, they've stopped but they're not really talking. I love to ask like, um, do you know what the law is on abortion in Canada? Yeah. Yeah. And they usually say no. And then that gives me an opportunity to explain for a second, you know, Canada has no laws on abortion. It's legal through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason or no reason at all. You know, as long as you can find a willing doctor, we pay for it with our tax dollars. It happens almost 300 times every day. Like I can share some of those basic facts and then uh, and then, you know, what do you think about, about that? Mm -hmm. Like, and, um, that, uh, that is just a good follow-up. If you do, you know about the laws, I share a little bit, then I ask what they think again. And then they're much more likely to kind of share an opinion to kind of warm them up a little bit for those people who are stopping, but don't seem to know what to say. That's very useful for me. Love it. And, and sometimes I'll even, it, it's not a question per se, but sometimes I try to validate what might be going through their brain of like, it's a pretty heavy topic, eh? 
which I guess is still like a Canadian style question with that A in there, but like uh, it, it's a heavy one or it's a tough one to unpack or something like that to try to validate what the, the beehive that must be going on inside their brain. Hopefully that, that's what's happening and not just uh, complete disengagement. But for a lot of people, the answer is like, yeah, I mean, especially with everything happening in the States or especially with this or, you know, what my sometimes it'll be that early that somebody will say, you know what, I, I had an abortion and, and like, something like that and and to validate the idea that this isn't super normal but it can be that that there are some situations where you might not want to talk about abortion but this is one of the spaces that you can absolutely start unpacking whatever's going on inside your brain whatever's happening in your heart kind of thing um katie i want to dive in with you in just a moment here about some of the body language and once people are stopped in conversation how do we make this something um that makes them want to stay how do we have that attractive manner but both you and blaze also pointed to the fact of drawing attention to the signs that we're often holding showing the reality of abortion and i feel like that's one of the things that we want to kind of tick off our list within the first 30 seconds of of a conversation of an interaction we want to get them thinking about the real victim of abortion um how do you see that impacting the conversations that you're having once you've brought that victim visually into their their psyche their realm of, of consciousness i guess and literally like pointing down towards a sign like what do you think about this image or even sometimes when i ask the question what do you think about abortion i'm literally pointing towards the sign when i say that how do you feel or what has your experience been when it comes to bringing the abortion uh, the the victim themselves into the conversation really early to make sure that they're a focal point in everything that's going to unfold, whether it's a long conversation or a short conversation? Well, one example, I was speaking to a man once, uh, I asked him what he thought about abortion. He said he was, he was pro-choice and, and then he said he was vegan mm-hmm. uh, right away. And I said, oh, that's cool. You know, why are you vegan? And he said, well, I don't think the, you know, the animals have a say whether they live or die. And I said, yeah, you're, you're right about that. They don't. Um, and then it's like he'd forgotten that I had this sign that's yeah. right below me. And so I asked him if he believed in human rights. He said, yes, we went through, you know, who are they for and everything. And then, and then I pointed to my sign and I said, do you think that this human had the choice whether he lived or died? Mm-hmm. And he like took a step back and looked at my, at my sign for a while. And he was like, no, no, I don't, I don't think so. And I said, do you think that they should? And he said, yeah, yeah, I do. And that was it. It was like, it was such an easy conversation, but it was just a little mix of, I knew very little about him, but I knew that I could work with it. And he took a moment by my drawing attention to the sign to actually look at it. And it just clicked. And and that was it. And I've seen that so many times, you know, it's, it's so helpful to always gesture back to the sign when somebody is is making a comment like it's a clump of cells or or whatever and you can be like well you know have a look as you can see there's you know arms legs a face like does yeah. that does that make sense you know and you, it's just nice to always gesture back and well you said you believed in human rights and clearly this is a human who mm-hmm. has been killed you know what do you think about that um it's it's really helpful but also it's it's a, it's a completely different strategy when I'm speaking to someone who is say post-abortive mm. and, and they're upset. Now they've seen my sign. I know they've seen the truth about abortion, which I still think is super important for women who've had abortions to see. Um, but in that moment, I really think it's helpful to, to just move it aside a little bit. Like I put it beside my, my arm. And, and so no, it's no longer like a physical barrier between myself and that person. And I just move it aside. And then I try to have like a more personal connection with that person without the image in the way, mm-hmm. right? It's a way of like kind of disarming what they're going through. And, and I found that so effective. It, yeah. Like it's such a powerful way to just, to make them realize that, you know, I may, I may hate abortion, but I don't hate you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and I don't think you're a horrible person and, and let's have a, let's have a conversation. 
Yeah, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that, especially with the sign up. Um, I, I know that there is pro-life outreach that happens without signage, but but obviously the work that we're doing is with signs that show the reality of abortion. At times we'll have ultrasound imagery or or signs that say pregnant need help and, and offering support that way. And, and Katie, I want to come back to you because I feel like for a lot of people that might be kind of a new idea and maybe they don't do this consciously, but they, they get into a, a difficult conversation, whether it's what we used to call a heart conversation kind of thing about somebody who's had an abortion experience or maybe just somebody who's getting very emotional very upset and and i feel like a, a knee-jerk reaction is to clutch the sign you're you're white knuckling your eyes go down and and it's almost like you're getting beaten into submission kind of thing and not that we necessarily want to go to the polar opposite of, of coming out guns blazing sort of thing but what kind of body language do you think is valuable to be able to disarm that person and make it a more human interaction and not a a crazy power dynamic where we're almost inviting the verbal blows to, to rain down upon us what have you found to work so the moving of the sign first of all, um, you know, a, a very neutral hand gesture. Like mm -hmm. I often just put, place my hands right in front of myself. I, I keep the eye contact yeah, and I stay quiet for as long as they need to, to get out what they need to get out. Yeah. And I make sure that when the moment arises where I can get, say something, I often find it so helpful to let them know, you know, I, I'm really sorry that you're hurting. And I wasn't, I'm not trying to hurt you. And then I, I mentioned, you know, I have a lot of friends who've had abortions and I love them. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, and, and I think it's possible and good to hate abortion while still loving people who've had them. Yeah. And so like just a few little lines like that to, to make that, make them realize that I'm, I'm not, you know, just this stereotype they have in their head about a pro-lifer that, you know, mm -hmm. because, because I realize how horrible abortion is and, and how un unjust it is that I therefore think that, you know, they're terrible people or that, that there's no common ground to be had or there's no redemption yeah. to, to be, to be had. And that's just not true. So I think it's really helpful to let them know right away. Hey, I'm a human being. <laughs> I have friends mm -hmm. who've had abortions I, and I, here's why I don't, here's why I still hate it because it hurts them, right? It, it hurt my friends and I care about them. Yeah. And, and entering into that vulnerability of, of, especially, I feel like I've had so many people that have kind of exploded on me and have probably shared far more with me than they've at times. I mean, the number of people who have told me, I've never actually told somebody this before. I've never told anyone that I've had an abortion. I've never this kind of thing. And that um, often puts in a, a social dynamic of once somebody is, has entered in that vulnerability, if you don't meet them where you're, they're at, and that doesn't necessarily mean like going through a rap sheet of all of your sins and like, no, 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 I'm, I'm a terrible person and I've done all these things. Like that doesn't necessarily yeah. need to happen, but being able to enter into that vulnerability. I love that line that you shared of, you know, I have a, I know people who've had abortions. I, I have friends from high school, from university, friends now who have had abortions and I still care about them. I love them deeply and I want the best for them. I think, I think that's profound and, and essential to keep, not just in the back of your minds in the audience, like not, this isn't some nugget to tuck away in, the, in your back pocket. This is something to have in the front of your mind, the tip of your tongue, ready to engage with because we have this beautiful opportunity to break down some of those stereotypes and, and caricatures that have been built up around pro-lifers to be able to demonstrate the fact that we have a massive heart for people who have gone through terrible situations. Um, Blaze, I want to throw it in your direction as well and see what you have found to be effective in your conversations for breaking down some of those barriers and maintaining a human connection so it doesn't become a a fist fight metaphorically or, or literally, I suppose as well, but, but how do you maintain that human connection? Well, speaking of a metaphorical or literal fist fight, it reminds me of a conversation in uh, Montreal just this past Friday. So th this is on the day that Roe was overturned. Uh, I'm not sure when this will be published, but it was last Friday as of now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we had 35 people in three different locations in two languages all across the street for this pro-life day of action. And my job was to look after a couple of the teams. And um, as the volunteers were, uh, were opened up and were doing outreach, um, <clears throat> there was a young man 
who came by one of the new volunteers, he was quite upset. Like he was, you can immediately tell there was a heart issue. There was some emotional connection to the abortion issue because he was very angry. He was shaking. Uh, one of our team leaders stepped in to try to help with the conversation. He shared briefly that um, there was a personal experience with abortion in his family, but then left, went across the street, um, gave the middle finger to a volunteer about that close from their face and walked on. So um, I, I had witnessed that and I knew that he was hurting. Fast forward maybe 20 minutes or so, and I'm checking on with on one of the other teams. And um, he walks by again and uh, and he swears at me and he says, I've seen you in Toronto. Like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and I was supposed to be going, uh, I was actually supposed to be grabbing some volunteers for Katie to move from one team to the other, but I just stopped. I had, I mean, this guy said he recognized me, but I recognized him from 20 minutes earlier. He was clearly hurting. And I just stopped everything I was doing and I turned around and, um, and I engaged him in conversation for about half an hour. And uh, I just tried to listen to him mm. and just focused on staying calm. And, um, you know, he was very worked up uh, for a while, but just, you know, asking him like, okay, well, like, why do you feel that way? Or, you know, he was saying like, you're out here, you know, shaming and judging women and trying to kick them while they're down. And I said, well, you know, like I, that's, that's not what I think that we're trying to do. It's definitely not what I want to do. What is it about our presence here, about the signs here that would make you think that? Right. And, you know, he'd, he'd look at the signs and like, um, you know, try to uh, reflect on why he was feeling that way. And I just kept trying to, sh to genuinely understand where he was coming from. There was one point where I just leveled with him because, you know, he said that he had recognized me from Toronto and we're sitting there in Montreal. He knows that I'm involved in some way. And um, he was, he was, he was expressing some frustration, like, like, you know, you're never going to change your mind. I'm never going to change my mind. Like you're never going to understand where I'm coming from. And I reflected back what I had heard. And it's like, it's like, like, you know, you're saying this, you're saying that I think you're feeling this. Like I, I'm, you know, and, and he's like, well, you're just repeating what I've said. And, you know, I, I just tried to level with him. I said, like, look, like, my job today is to be in charge of the team. I'm not supposed to be having conversations. I'm supposed to be over there right now, but I heard you earlier. I saw you coming by and I dropped everything that I'm supposed to be doing right now, because I don't think there's anything more important than talking to you right now and listening to what you have to say. And like, like guy to guy, that's like pretty emotionally vulnerable yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he responded really well to that. Like I could just tell that he he felt that it was genuine and it was right. But that, um, he, he, he started to relax a little bit more with moments like that. There was another moment where he was talking about, um, about the, uh, <laughs> but why he thought that he wouldn't be alive if there wasn't this abortion experience in his family, just with the family dynamics. Like, I don't want to share too much about his personal story on a podcast, but you know, he, he, he was saying that he, um, uh, in a sort of confused way, he thought that abortion was responsible for him being where he was. And he said, you know, and I think I've done some, you know, some, some good, like, I think I've helped reduce suffering in some people's lives. I think I've done some good for other people in the world. And I just made myself vulnerable to him again. I said, well, I, I agree. I mean, I've only been speaking to you here for 30 minutes and you've done a lot of good for me in this conversation, just taking the time to speak with me here now. And I'm glad that you exist too. Right. And, and he was like, like he, he thanked me for saying that, you know? So anyways, this uh, just snippets of this conversation, but just in terms of, um, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, towards the end of it, he apologized for being angry earlier. You know, earlier he said like, like, his cortisol levels were, were rising and he wanted to fight me. He wasn't going to, but he wanted to, right? So like that <laughs> physical or medical oracle fist fight instead ended with a handshake and genuine human connection. My focus was just taking the time to just be there for him as a person and just try to truly understand where he's coming from and to open myself up to, uh, to help him feel comfortable to help him feel comfortable talking to me and to, to help him understand that I genuinely wanted to know where he was coming from and, and have a genuine dialogue with him. So I don't remember what your question was at the start, but that was just a really <laughs> conversation that I had recently that I thought was worth sharing. No, and, and thank you. I, I think that 
hits the nail right on the head of how, how do we do this? We show them that they're important, that you value their time um, engaging the conversation, that, that in, in thinking about this issue on a deeper level, that, that's a massive contribution towards moving this whole culture in the right direction. The more people we have thinking about abortion, there's no way that you can think about abortion for a substantial amount of time and not end with the reality that abortion is not an appropriate solution to a challenging pregnancy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let, let me just add like one other practical example in that conversation. You're talking earlier about like the way we deliver questions and, you know, he was expressing objection to our use of abortion victim photography. And at one point he said, you know, um, like if you were out here showing photos of syphilis and just syphilis, syphilis and putting syphilis in people's faces, you know, like, like, and he was explaining how he thought that what we were doing was like that. Now, I wanted, like, I'm still using apologetics in this conversation. I'm still using our, um, you know, like asking questions. And I want to be able to show him that, um, that that doesn't make sense, but to do it in a gentle and sensitive way. And I just remember um, just really slowing down and taking time. Um, I mean, he was saying it, he was, he was angry, but he was chuckling a little bit. And like, I took a, a moment to kind of chuckle with him, just like, okay, yeah, like, I see what you mean. If you see it that way, like, that would be really kind of ridiculous and really obnoxious. Paused for a second and I said, I think that most people are already against syphilis, right? And most Canadians do not support syphilis. He stopped, he nodded, he said, most Canadians do support abortion, right? They think this is a good thing they already understand and, and he immediately understood what i was saying you know changed the analogy it, it, it moved the conversation forward but just taking the time to like take a moment laugh with them establish some common ground deliver like in, in a way it was a really hard-hitting question just cut right to the point of why what he said was nonsense logically speaking yeah but slow down and take and i took the time to deliver it in a in a friendly way that he was receptive to so that we could be journeying together and realize together, okay, I don't think that actually makes sense rather than kind of hitting him with a question in a way that he'd have the shields up for. But just a concrete practical example of how to, you know, how delivery can matter too. Love it. Love it. I'm sure there's a million more things that we could say about this. Mm -hmm. I, I've got questions about how to build humor into conversations. I've got questions about how to build personal experience and what on. So we're probably going to have to do a second round of this episode, but just <laughs> for the sake of time, I want to ask about ending conversations and specifically, and I'll throw this to you, Katie, about when somebody gives you the indication they're about to leave, when they say, you know what, I got to get back to class or I've got to, got to get back to work or I, I'm need to catch my bus, whatever, you know, the time is of the essence. What is your kind of wrap up nugget that you are either inviting people to think about a last question that you ask, or what is your parting gift that you give to folks when you know that the conversation is wrapping up and there's not a whole lot that it's not a matter of they're, they're disinterested and you're trying to rope them back in, but no, I know that you legit have to leave and I'm not going to hold you anymore. What is your kind of parting gift that you give to them? Sometimes I use a, like a parting phrase of, um, you know, thank you so much for talking to me. Mm -hmm. Just before you go, I just want to like, like give us both something to think about. And that is that in the abortion issue, only one of us can be right. Mm -hmm. And if you're right, then I should really think about what I'm doing out here, how I'm spending my time and my message. And if you're right, or if, if, if I'm right, then you should really think about the fact that nearly 300 innocent human beings become these victims every single day. And only one of us can be right. So I, I hope you'll think about it. I'll think about it too. And thank, thanks for your time. Love it. To, to put mm -hmm. some degree of, of magnitude on this. This isn't just a matter of let's agree to disagree. I know that Stephanie Gray Connors hated that line and she would always call that out in conversation of yeah. let's not agree to disagree. Let's agree that we disagree and that only one of us can be right. I love that question. Probably spoken a little bit softer than I often frame it of, you know, <laughs> what if, if I'm wrong, yeah. there's a growing number of jerks in our country that are trying to take women's rights away from them. 
Yeah. But if I'm right, and we are systematically eliminating a defined group in our society with tax funding and government support, it's tough for me not to characterize that as genocide. Mm -hmm. And so either we have a whole bunch of pricks that are becoming mobilized in Canada because we have a growing pro-life movement, or we have a massive human rights violation. And so not only can only one of us be right, but whoever's wrong, this is a massive gut check time. This isn't a matter of I can, I can maintain my, my ridiculous stance that pineapple belongs on pizza because at the end of the day, the stakes are pretty low, all things considered. I mean, it's not nothing, but, but it's lower than they could be. The other thing that I, I often ask people to do when they're, when they're leaving is I'll say, listen, if you haven't actually looked up what an abortion procedure looks like, please do. Like when you go home, abortionprocedures.com or look look for what it actually looks like to yeah. for an, an abortion to take place because i don't think you should support it if you haven't yeah yeah because that, that, that's what i'd like them to do the most is go home and, and and look at video because video is the most compelling argument against abortion absolutely and, and we talked about anchoring the the conversation at the beginning with the victims and anchoring it at the end as well blaze what's your go-to what what are you trying to leave people with as they walk away my go-to is the same as what you guys already covered but just to, to add a little something depending on what the conversation is um like what we've discussed uh i will often try and find that sort of central question like what's the crux of my of of the disagreement in this conversation like what's the the core part of the pro-life position that this person is is resistant to so maybe it's the science of when life begins or maybe it's the notion that um that all human beings are persons that all human beings deserve human rights but you know where's the crux of the disagreement and you know, um, I love framing it the way that you just, ex both of you just explained in terms of, you know, the stakes are high and only one of us can be right and, and, and that sort of thing. And then I'll add uh, that, um, that core disagreement in, you know, so like, so I, I would just challenge you, you know, to, um, to go and, and check on the science, like, you know, look at a biology textbook and, and see what the science says about when life begins, you know, or, or I would challenge you, you know, to think that every other time throughout history, when we've said that some human beings don't get their human rights, we've looked back on that as a human rights violation. It's the very formula for injustice. Like I'll, I'll try and kind of frame that, that core disagreement as a core challenge mm. um, at the end, if I can, to try and, uh, you know, have them walking away with that core question in their mind. Love it. Love it. One last um, question that I'll, I'll mention here on the show before we wrap up that, that I get both of your thoughts on that I feel like probably packs a little bit too much into a single question, but sometimes I'll, I'll depart with a, you know what, I, I guess the question that we're asking is when faced with all these very real situations that moms and dads are faced with, is it ever appropriate to directly and intentionally kill literally the weakest, most vulnerable member of the human family? trying to like pack together, we get that there's major problems to demand solutions. But just think, can we kill innocent humans to solve those problems? Or do, do they demand a better solution than killing innocent humans? And, and it's interesting how often there's like a, a light bulb moment there or like, a, oh man, that, that kind of stopped me in my tracks. I'm gonna ponder that as I walk away. I, there's a few times that people have kind of turned back and be like, you know, when you pack it all together like that, what you're saying makes a ton of sense as well. But I feel like that gives them the opportunity to keep thinking about the moms, the dads, the people who are impacted in these challenging pregnancies, but challenges them of like, what options can legit be on the table for them? And is abortion one of those that, that really belongs on the table? Or is it something that belongs in history textbook kind of thing? Yeah, I, I love that. It, um, I often think in my mind of the Scott Klusendorf line that um, abortion may be emotionally complex, psychologically complex, socially complex, economically complex, but it's not morally complex, mm -hmm. right? Now, I'm thinking of that line in order to communicate that to someone. Um, I love the way you put it. The, um, uh, the way that I usually say it, uh, you know, around difficult circumstances, I'll, and, and it is a good place at the end of a conversation to add it into, or sometimes I need to uh, earlier in a conversation as we're talking about them, but I'll say something like, 
Like, it's not that there aren't many really, really difficult circumstances that people face surrounding abortion, right? Like these, like the, 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 the content, the context can be difficult in a whole variety of different ways. The question is, is it ever okay to kill an innocent human being as a solution to those difficult circumstances and to ground that question in the abortion victim photography in the sign or the pamphlet as well um you know to affirm the uh the reasons why someone might think um that abortion is necessary to affirm that there's real difficulty there but bring it back to the central question i love the way you put it too that's the way i usually phrase it in conversation love it Love it. Thank you both so, so much for your time. Like I said, we're going to have to do this again soon um, because mm-hmm. I feel like there's a million more things that we could say, but thanks a ton for, for joining for the, this show um, and look forward to talking to you both again soon. Thanks, thanks so much Cam. For us. It was great. Cool, cool, cool. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. There's so much to be said about how to really leverage your personality and and everything that you're doing to try to get people to stop and stick around for conversations about abortion. Let's get real. This is not your everyday Monday afternoon on the way home from work kind of conversation. It's not what people are generally thinking about on their way home from work or at lunchtime or between classes. It's something that hits them a little bit on a left field. And it's really valuable to find ways to make it normal. Let's talk about important issues. Let's do away with this idea of religion, politics, sex, and abortion are things that you can never talk about in polite society. Let's talk about these things because they are shaping the world around us. And so I hope that today's conversation was really worthwhile. I'm certain, as I mentioned in the episode, that we're going to do this again. Because there's so much more that can be said about um, conversation dynamics and whatnot. But yeah, I hope that you really enjoyed it. For those of you who are new to the program, you can find us at ProLifeGuys.com. You can get some cool merch. You can get some water bottles, mugs, stuff behind me here. You can't get the little wooden man, unfortunately. But you can get the, the drinking vessels that you see there. You can check out our past episodes. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on all your podcast catchers. Um, And if you want to support the program and help us to reach even more people on street corners and on doorsteps, we'd love it if you signed up as a Patreon supporter, patreon.com slash prolifeguys. All that money goes directly towards growing our outreach. We're going to do an episode here in the next couple of weeks where we feature a bunch of our interns. You may have seen them on CSPR's other social media handles. We've got an amazing team, not only here in Calgary that I work with on a regular basis, but also in Toronto and the greater Toronto area. We're going to feature a whole bunch of them, um, and hopefully you're going to get to know them um, in the coming weeks. So thanks a ton. Appreciate you tuning in. If you have any questions, hit uh, hit me up at email at prolifeguys.com. Um, check out the website, drop a comment, um, hit us up with a rating. We love a review and a rating on podcatchers because they boost the likelihood that other people, like-minded people, are going to come across the podcast as well. And so thanks a ton. A little bit of a change of pace from the, the episodes that we have been doing about the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision. We've got a few more interviews rolling out on that as well, um, but I hope that you enjoyed this one. Thanks much. Have a good rest of the day, however much is left in it from where you're coming from, and may God bless you abundantly. Mm-hmm.